Uh, Lord God, we come to you, and Lord, the song, um, we do need you, Lord. Uh, we need you to be our source of strength when we are weak. We find the Apostle Paul cried out to you. And you said that your strength is perfected in our weakness. Uh, Lord, we need your way. Uh, there, are, um, there are inclinations that we have within ourselves of how to, how to act, how to respond to, this, uh, to the pressures and the trials of this world. And Lord, there is uh, dominant narratives about uh, w what is the correct uh, responses to the hardships of life. But Lord, we need, we need to know the way of Jesus in the face of uh, struggle, in the face of temptation. Uh, Lord, we need your son, Jesus, as our mediator. Uh, as we even uh, uh, read the scripture, Lord, uh, we could not approach you uh, without him going before us. And Lord, we thank you that he has gone before us and that we do have boldness to come to you, uh, to seek from you the grace that we need, the way that we need, Lord. God, I pray and I just ask that as we uh, turn to your word this morning. My prayer is that you will speak to each and every one of us out of your text. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, while I am the, uh, the mouthpiece, as it were, Lord, that it would be your spirit that speaks. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, nothing that I, um, yeah, that I wouldn't say anything that doesn't need to be said. And that all that I say would, would be true and right honoring. Uh, Lord, if there is any, uh, anything that uh, I, I think to utter that is not true, please refrain my lips, Lord. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that uh, as I speak and uh, really look for you to speak, I pray that we would receive all that you have for us. That you would attend to us, each of us, all of us, Lord, as we have need. And God, I pray and I ask all of these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Well, we are gathered here uh, this morning on Mother's Day, and um, and uh, the occasion uh, brings us not only to this time of, uh, uh, of, of celebrating moms, but it brings us uh, an opportunity to worship our Lord. And uh, this morning, what we want to do is we want to look at a text where we see Jesus, our Lord, interacting with his own mother. And uh, the text is in John chapter number 19. Uh, we're going to look at verses 25 through 27. And uh, for those of you who might not know, I'll just set the scene here a little bit in uh, John's gospel. Uh, when we arrive at this moment in uh, verse number 25 of John chapter number 19, Jesus has already been arrested. He has been uh, uh, accused and he's been tried. And, um, and despite the fact that the uh, Roman governing officials do not believe there is just cause to sentence him to death, uh, 
there is a contingent of people, uh, of influential leaders among the Jews who want Jesus to be sentenced to death. And so uh, they have uh, arrested him, they've accused him, they've tried him, uh, they've beaten him. Uh, he has been beaten with a cat of nine tails. Uh, uh, scourged is, the, is a technical term for it. Uh, he, was, uh, he was lashed 39 times. Um, he was, he was uh, aside from that, they, 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 they spit on him, they mocked him, they plucked out his beard. Uh, and now, uh, as we come to chapter 19, verse number 25, Jesus has been on the cross suffering in agony. After he suffered all the humiliation and all the torture beforehand, he has now been suffering on the cross for several hours. He's now been hanging there in agony. Actually, right after, right after the scene that we're about to uh, read and we're about to witness, uh, it says that uh, Jesus, uh, very shortly thereafter, said the, the fateful words, Tetelestai, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. And it's in this scene, in this context, where Jesus is uh, writhing in agony that John records uh, an interaction, an exchange from Jesus on the cross with his mother, Mary. Now let's think about Mary for a little bit before we move on. If, um, uh, when you say Jesus' mother, Mary, if you came from a Catholic tradition and a Catholic background, you, you, you might you know, begin to almost cross yourself right away you know, because, because she has this, 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 this sacred place in the, the church tradition there. Uh, if you come from an evangelical Baptist background, you, you probably uh, don't necessarily think about her in, in, in the same way, but there is a connotation that you have with Mary. You, you, you might even hearken all the way back to this, this, this virgin girl who was visited by the angel Gabriel, who was, who was given this, this, this great word of promise that said that she was going to carry the Messiah and, and how she at first uh, you know, wasn't sure what to make of this. And then later she, she rejoiced over this reality. And, and then you know that, 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 that she took uh, it upon herself to, to, to care for this child as God had, had, had uh, called upon her to do. And, and, and you, you expect that she did this uh, with, with such um, uh, courage and bravery, uh, that she did this uh, with such honor and uh, such diligence and, uh, and, and then you, you might just think about Mary if, if you don't think about her like as a, as a sanctified saint, if you will. But, but you might just think of her in, in, in the most honorable, respectful manner that you could possibly think of her. And that is, those are all good things to think about. As we come to Mary in the Gospel of John, though, we should know she has not had a big role in John's Gospel. In fact, uh, the, the only major story that we have with Mary is in John chapter number 2. And in John chapter number 2, they are at this marriage, at the wedding feast uh, in Cana of Galilee. And we find out that, the, that, the, that they didn't make proper preparations for the wedding, and they ran out of wine. 
And Mary comes to Jesus and says, you must do something. And Jesus rebukes her at that moment. He says, woman, my time has not yet come. And, and for John, this idea of my time or my hour is very important. Because Jesus will say from time, uh, throughout the gospel, he will say, my time is not yet. But then once he becomes close to the, uh, the, the moment that he is going to be arrested, tried, beaten, and ultimately sentenced to death on the cross, he is going to start saying, my hour is come. The time has come. So like whenever he cries out, it is finished. Like the, the, the hour has come and now the hour is done. The time has completed. So whenever he says, my time has not yet come, it's a weighted statement in John's gospel. But outside of that, we've, we have very little interaction with Mary. She is not set up as, 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 you know, as the Catholic church would have her be set up in John's gospel. She's not set low either. She is just set as a, as a woman. And as a mother, and as Jesus' mother. But here, in his hour of agony, Jesus, Jesus takes note of his mother. In John chapter number 19, verse number 25, it says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister. There was also Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Woman, behold, or look, your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. This is a very uh, thoughtful, sweet uh, story. Just on its surface. But the reason why I want us to think about the moment that this is happening. Uh, brings even a deeper weight to what's going on here. Now, let me just say this. There's been a lot of people who will interpret this text symbolically. They will say, oh, you know what Jesus was saying here? He was saying that, that Mary is the, the new Eve and the mother of all the church. And, and, and then you get this idea where you follow that tradition through. And, you, and then ultimately you are uh, deifying, nearly deifying Mary. Uh, uh, there are people who symbolize it in another way. And they say, oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh, look, no, Jesus is entrusting this woman who, who represents all the Jews who didn't believe in Jesus at first, but were coming into trusting Jesus. And she's representative of, of all the remnant, if you will, and entrusting her to the disciples. I don't believe we need to look at this any deeper than what it is. Here, 
on the cross, suffering, writhing in agony. Jesus sees his mother. He sees Mary. You know, in their culture, in their context, and it's kind of assumed in our culture and context, but in theirs, it was more codified. But in their culture and their context, as the oldest son, he was the one to provide for his mother, who was most likely widowed. We don't read of Joseph anymore uh, after, uh, like, Luke chapter number three. She was most likely widowed. And in that, that culture, that means she had no rights. Uh, she could, uh, the, the family estate wasn't, wasn't put in her name. It would have been put in Jesus' name. She had no uh, rightful way to uh, own things and or, and or to, to engage in trade without a male or a male heir. Jesus uh, sees his mother. He knows her plight. Now, we know that Jesus has other brothers. Uh, all we know from John's gospel at this point is that those other brothers, at, at, at least throughout the gospel period, until Jesus was resurrected and, and maybe sometime thereafter, they did not trust that Jesus was the Messiah. They were not among the ones who were uh, his disciples who followed him. Uh, we could think about his brothers like the brothers of Jacob. Or, excuse me, the sons of Jacob, the brothers of Joseph. Oh, here comes that dreamer. They were all going to bow down to him. In fact, in, in, in John chapter number 7, his brothers kind of scoffingly chide him. Hey, if anybody's going to know that you're the Messiah, you've got to get down to Jerusalem because that's where the Messiahs make themselves known. But Jesus sees his mother. He knows her plight. And at this point, if she's identified with Jesus and his movement, as we see her there at the foot of the cross with other disciples of Jesus, Then she's done what Jesus has said. She's followed him and she's forsaken all others. So not only is she in a culture where her plight is as a woman is, 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 uh, is a hard one. Uh, now she's chosen to step away from her family cultural uh, uh, traditional values. And identify with the movement that has gathered around her son Jesus believing him to be the Messiah. So likely at this point, his own brothers probably would have said, she's chosen her way. Jesus sees her. He knows her plight. At this point, I would just say to all the women and all the mothers in our church, Jesus sees you. He sees you. 
I imagine you don't feel seen very much. We know that we have, as a culture advanced, um, in a lot of ways, uh, the, uh, the dignity and the respect uh, that we pay to women. And in some ways, we've retrogressed, in a lot of ways, the dignity and respect that we pay to women and to mothers. But all the way back to the Garden of Eden, after uh, they ate the fruit and the Lord began to speak to Adam and Eve, he said these words to Eve. He said, she will always, she will always have this desire within her. We could say this desire to rule, this desire to dominate. Um, maybe she will always have the desire just to be seen by you. To be acknowledged. To not be second class. Jesus sees his mother and he knows her plight. Ladies, Jesus sees you and he knows your plight. Here's what's interesting, too, is he sees this as he's suffering. So he doesn't just see you. Here's what I would say is he identifies with you. Motherhood, for all of its joy, for all of its gifts, motherhood from conception forward is a journey of suffering. It's a journey of agony with some little joys along the way. A journey of anxiety. Uh, guys, we don't get this. I don't fully understand it. I'm speaking things that are beyond my comprehension. But I have heard enough from the women in my life, from the women that I've read. I've heard enough that once that baby... Once they find out that there is a life in their belly, there is great care, great caution, great concern given to somebody else beside themselves. Is my body going to react and do everything that my body needs to do to bring this child through a healthy womb into the breath of life? Women, am I wrong about that? Did it not start for you for the very first moment to begin to be very concerned? Am I doing everything okay? Am I doing it all right? Am I eating all the right things? Your body begins to morph and to change and your hormones begin to morph and to change. And not only now do you have to worry about protecting this life in the womb, but, 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 but guys, y'all have experienced this too. And we're not always good. I, I, I blow it all the time. I blew it this morning. We try to come in and we try to be like, hey, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Or we go, hey, listen, you're not yourself. That's a woman that I fell in love with. We are doofuses sometimes, guys. And we add to the suffering. 
that life is, is brought forth and, and, and mother takes upon her to say, this child will only be fed, nourished, equipped. I'm going to take first priority to take care of this child. Some women have been abandoned by their husbands in this. Now, I will say this because I look out in this room and I also know some husbands have been abandoned by their wives in this. And good on you, dads who played the role of mom and dad as well. But I think it's something telling that in his suffering, Jesus not only sees his mother, but it's in his suffering that he identifies with his mother. Women, he identifies with you in the, the hardness that it is to raise children. And it doesn't just stop at uh, feeding them, changing their diapers, burping them, making sure that they get to bed at a decent hour, making sure they get enough rest, listening to, uh, was that a different cough or a different cry? Or was that the same cough and the same cry? Well, what does it all mean? It, it also means whatever you're bringing them up into maturity and, and, and you're having to endure with them uh, on the days that they come in and y'all you, you, have just done all the things that you could possibly think that would make these kids happy. And then you walk into the house and they go, now what are we going to do? Now, it's not the same level of suffering we would say that Jesus experienced in that moment. But, but you could say that it was a, yours is a protracted protracted rate of suffering. So Jesus sees his mother. He sees you. Jesus identifies with his mother in suffering. He identifies with you in yours. Now, let me just say this. If you want to know where the gospel fits into this, this is at the heart of the gospel what it what we trust about Jesus. He sees us. He knows us. He identifies with us. Jesus is the God. It reveals to us the God who sees us, knows us, and identifies with us. Not only in our suffering, also in our sin. In our shortcomings, in our failures. This is the hope that I have in, as I read Jesus and, and as he reveals to me who God is. My great hope is that our God is not some distant, apathetic, arbitrarily dealing with humanity type of being. But that our God is a God who identifies with us fully in our humanity. And all that we have to suffer and endure as humans. He was, what is Hebrews 4, 4, 4, 14 through 16 that we read earlier, right? He, he, he was tempted in every way that we were tempted. He fully identifies with us. One of my favorite songs is uh, no, another song by John Mark McMillan. It's called The Road, The Rocks, and The Weeds. And it says, come down from your mountains, your high-rise apartments, and tell me of the God you know who bleeds. 
And then he begins to talk about like the Greek mythological gods that were there. Zeus would never suffer for the weak. Aphrodite, this is not not what was known. And in fact, most people, if you leave it to us and you put us in writing down what we think of God, we never can imagine a God who identifies with us in the human predicament. In fact, what you find, and whenever you hear atheists or agnostic people, one of the things that they always say is, is if there is a God, then I don't want to know him because he let the Holocaust happen. He lets uh, Sandy Hook happen. He lets George Floyd happen. He lets, uh, you know, uh, uh, Ukraine happen. War atrocities happen. And he's either apathetic to it or he arbitrarily decides when he's going to intervene and interact and stop all the horrors. But the God that we have revealed in Scripture, and this is the same God of the Old Testament as it is the New Testament, don't Let's not be mistaken about that. But the God who is most fully revealed in the person of Jesus Christ is the God who comes and walks among us. The God who sees us, knows us, identifies with us. Uh, Mothers, I I submit this to you. Church, I submit it to you this morning. And here's the thing. What's the practical one-for-one on this? I I don't know. I don't know what the practical one-for-one is. And I'm a very, I'm very much a a preacher who doesn't just like to speak about some, some abstract realities. I like to bring it down to a practical one for one. I guess what I could say is this. There's a lot of times that I know that my wife feels like she's alone because I'm at work and she has three unruly boys. And uh, I would say in those moments, it would be necessary for her to receive from the spirit that God sees her. He identifies with her in this moment. He knows that it's hard. Here's why I think that this is important. Because too often, when we think about God seeing us, it's not that God sees us and identifies with us, is it? As that God sees us and goes, oh my goodness, you just keep messing up, don't you? Oh, mom. And moms, uh, dads, we, dads, we feel it too, but we cannot, we cannot deny that, like, you have sat there and you've heard your wife and she's come in and she is telling you about so-and-so's kids and, 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 and yeah, I just had a great time with my friend and as she's talking, 
she begins to say, yeah, and then she had to tell me all about all the good things that her kids are doing. And, and, and we've all experienced this, but what we need to identify in it is what she is feeling is that she doesn't measure up or that her kids don't measure up. Social media has been one of those things where you get a, a snapshot of the perfect moment in a 24-hour day. But it's, it's immortalized there. And then it's put up on somebody's story. And then you're looking from perfect moment to perfect moment to perfect moment. And you're going, look at their kids. They do crafts. That mom does crafts from sunup to sundown. When is she not doing crafts? I'm sitting over here trying to hide from my kids. Saying I'm using the restroom. And she is doing crafts. <laughs> And this is what we think about God. Is, uh, and, and there's a truth to this that we don't measure up whenever it comes to God. But what we don't get from when we're just left with that, when we forget that God actually sees us, he knows us, he identifies us. What we miss in that is that God, though he does have a standard, and though he does want us to live according to that standard, he doesn't come down on us in, in, in the ways that we come down on ourselves. And in the ways that every mommy blog comes down on you. In fact, uh, Brittany sent me something this morning. And um, it was this word. It says like, hey, when you are not feeling relaxed, when you're feeling stressed, and somebody comes in and they go, hey, man, just relax and calm down. How well does that work? <laughs> See, that's the thing about like, what it means for God to identify with us. Like, he doesn't just come in. Hey, you just need to relax and calm down. I do that. But God's first step is to go, like, I know. Remember Jesus? He suffered on the cross. I know what it's like. I'm with you in this. You are right. It is wrong. What is happening? So that's where I would say that it has to become this theology that takes on a practical form for us. And one practical way that I could say it is whenever you are feeling this, this shame and this condemnation and this anxiety, that I'm just not getting it right, that Jesus goes, not, I know you're not getting it right. You need to button it up. Relax, calm down, chill out. Jesus goes, I know. And from there, from there, and this is what we see. Jesus doesn't just go, oh, I identify with you. Here's what I love about this is Jesus sees his mom, knows her plight. He identifies with her in this moment, and he goes, okay. And he's like, hey, my beloved disciple, you take care of her. She's now yours. And you are hers. Here, here's what I would say. Until we can know that Jesus sees us, he knows us, he identifies us, we might not be welcome to his help, to his provision.
So he doesn't just see Mary and know Mary and identify with Mary, but he provides something that Mary needs. And in her society, in her society, she needed, and there's, there's actually like, the, the, the way that the language is written, it's actually almost like adoption language in their society. Behold your mother. Look, this is now your mother. Look, now this is your son. But he provides for her something that she would really need in that society. And we could argue right, wrong, or indifferent. She needed a male heir who could help her whenever it came to brokering deals and trade. And we don't need to go any further than that. He provided for her. Now, I believe when you know that you are interacting with a God who sees you, who knows you, who identifies with you, then you can be you can be in the place of receiving what he's providing for you. On the other end, here's what I want us to see, and, and, and I want all of us to see this. How did he provide for her? Through another. Through another. You know, as, as husbands and as fathers, I think we need to kind of understand, like, we have our own anxieties. Where our wives tend to focus on our children and our children being fed and provided for and, and, and shaping up and all that stuff. We tend to have this anxiety, does all my stuff look like I have it all together? Starting with my wife. And so sometimes we come in and we say, relax, calm down. I've never done that. I didn't do it this morning at 8.30 or 7 something this morning. I didn't do that, right? Okay, I did, right? And we come in and we say, relax, calm down. And if we're not careful, we're saying we need you to provide me the assurances that I need. But Jesus didn't give, uh, didn't, didn't, didn't do this adoption process for Mary to be the provider there in that moment. He wanted the beloved disciple to provide for Mary. And we know this because it says from that day forward, he took her into his house. He assumed care and provision for her. So he provided for his mother through another. And whenever I see this, I think we have to go, hey, we're there to provide. Not just I, I, I put food on the table and I go to my job eight hours a day and I mow the lawn and I, I did the dish, you know, whatever. I, I gave you your time away. We are to provide. And to really provide for somebody means that we have to do the work that Jesus does. We actually have to see them and we have to know them and we have to identify with them. 
See, because if we're going to be good disciples of Jesus, we don't just take what Jesus does for us, but as a good disciple, we try to follow the way that Jesus does it. And so for us to, to, to come alongside and to take care of our wives and the mothers of our children and other women in our church and in our, and in our work and wherever we find ourselves, we have to stop taking this position of, well, I know what you need. You need to calm down. We need to take the position of, I need to see you and know you and identify with you so I can provide what you need. This one message is not going to fix that for us, is it? We're not going to walk out of here and win this week. Moms, you're not going to win this week. You're not going to sit there, and every time you have a, a, a pressing moment and a pressure moment, are you going to go, Jesus identifies with me. You know, he sees me. He knows me. You're going to fail at seeing that. Yeah, I'm going to fail. I probably won't even wait till tomorrow. I'll do it later today. All right? I will fail to go, hey, well, where's she at and what does she need? And yes, there is grace for that. But I think we all need to really take it as a, as, as a, as a duty, if you will, as a responsibility that we try really, 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 really hard to make sure that we hold this, hold on to this, and we live into it, and we live it out. And when we don't, when we don't do well, we don't excuse ourselves. We don't justify, well, I know I didn't do it, but you should have heard the kids, right? Or I know I didn't do it, but you know, I was, I was mowing the lawn and I had other things, other things going on. And so I just needed you to calm down for a moment. And y'all know calm down means a lot of other things, right? We do get that. That's shorthand at this point, right? But when we fall short, and this is the other great aspect of the gospel. When we fall short, what we need to do is we need to own it. Jesus, I did not... I did not think about you identifying with me, seeing me, knowing me, providing for me in this moment. Instead, instead of, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, I said, I got it taken care of. Please forgive me, Father, for not taking what you have provided for me. Oh, God, in that moment, I, I, I just... I, my, my, my pride got in the way. And I thought, get your act together. And I didn't see her or know her or identify with her and provide what she needed. Please forgive me. And listen, here's the deal. If we can do both of these, if we can strive to be like Jesus and seeing, knowing, identifying, providing for one another. And.
also. Owning up to it. Not excusing it, but saying, I failed, please forgive me. To God and to the other that we failed. If we can be those people, then here's the deal. Both ends of that, one, we will look like the testimony that Jesus wants us to be. We will be the light that he's called us to be in our homes and in our community. And on the other, we will be a testimony too. We will be a light too that says, hey, we live and we operate differently in this world. We don't act like we have no regrets. Or regrets. If the tattooist didn't know how to tattoo regret. And we don't live in a world where we think, and we could be a light about this, we don't live in a world where we think that we get it all right, and if we don't get it all right, it all falls apart. We live in a world where we go, we fall, we fail, but there's a God in heaven who despite our failures helps carry us through. And if he can do that on a little level, doesn't he do that on a big level too? Doesn't he, I mean, I think about this sometimes. There's a way to look at the world and go, how in the world did the Holocaust happen? There's also a way to look at the world and go, how in the world did we move on from the Holocaust? And in so many ways, we did. And that's the hope that we have in our God. So my brothers and my sisters, uh, mothers today, Jesus sees you. He knows you. He identifies with you. He has provision for you. And that's not just to our ladies and to our moms, but that's to all of us. And then also, he says to each of us, he says to moms, he says to your children, and and for husbands to your wives, and for us as a community, one to another, he says, just like I see and I know and I identify, and through that I can provide I want you to see each other. To know what's what's really going on there. To identify with each other. And from there, provide. Provide. Build up. Edify. Equip one another. This is the word. And with that, I say amen. Amen. You join me with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Lord, I love you. And I thank you for knowing us, for identifying with us, for providing for us. I thank you not only that you do that yourself. With your son, you've you've given us the example. With the scriptures, we, we have provision for you. With the church, we have provision for you. But Lord, you also say, hey, look, we are to be providing and knowing and seeing one another, Lord. And so, God, I pray and I thank you for the others in our lives that we have providing for us.
that are a means of your grace. I thank you today for our mothers. We celebrate our mothers. They have, uh, they are, they are to be the, the first, if you will, providers for us who reveal to us, who reveal you to us, Lord. When we celebrate them, when we thank you for them. Uh, Lord, we do lift up those who have never been able to be moms, and that's a great longing in their heart. We pray that today you would minister to them, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray for those who, who think about a mom and they don't have uh, the Betty Cleaver mom. They didn't have a mom who was attentive, who, who saw them, who, I, who knew them, who cared for them, Lord. And they've reconciled that in a bunch of different ways. Maybe they've said the, the things, well, well, she loved me the best way she knew how, but there's still a longing and a, and a lacking there, Lord. I pray that you would minister to them. Lord, I thank you for those people who, who have come along whenever moms have fallen short and they've been surrogate moms or adoptive moms or just really, 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 really good ladies to provide for somebody who didn't have that in their own mom. I celebrate them, Lord. Uh, God, I pray. And I thank you for all these things. And Lord, I pray this. I pray that as we go from this place, that we would hold on to this, that Lord, you see us, you know us, you identify with us, you provide for us. And then Lord, also carry this, that as disciples of Jesus, we are to be the ones who see, know, identify, and provide. Lord, I pray. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to uh, sing a song and be dismissed. Um, I want to say this. <clears throat> we thank you all for being here today. Um, a couple things. First of all is uh, there are some gifts for all the ladies in our church. It's uh, not just moms, but if you're a lady in this church, there's some candles out in the uh, foyer on a table out there. There's some gift bags. Uh, take a, a few of those candles, um, put them in a gift bag and take them home. There's different scents. Um, so some of y'all are, you know, uh, a little touchy to some sense, but uh, you'll like some others. Um, but uh, this is just a small way in which we could just say uh, we love you and we celebrate you uh, as a church. And then um, here's what I would invite you to do. Just as they begin to sing the song in a moment, um, if you want to take some time and just meet with the Lord right there where you're at, I would encourage you to do that, uh, even as the song's being sung. But um, but once you're able to join in and sing this beautiful song with our praise team.